to the Abbey Podcast. I'm Steve Muldrup, your host. And I am Britton Sharp, and we are the Abbey staff. And today, in our eighth podcast, we are going to be talking about uh, peace. And that's, what, that's what's on our app this month. That is our writing and our thinking this month on the app. And so we would like to explore that. And Britton is going to be the one exploring it for us. Britton, tell us define it for us to begin with when you talk about peace there are a lot of different thoughts of what peace could look like Mm -hmm. we are in a not peaceful time right around us so what does peace mean define it as you're thinking about it i think there's a lot of misconceptions about peace one of them is that it's like this tranquil nirvana state where it's the absence of anything bad and there's a um, a lot of different ideas of how one would get there. One is, you know, the pursuit of passivity. Um, in some ways, there is uh, it can kind of run the spectrum when you're talking about peace. The one thing that's unifying is everybody says they want it. <laughs> um, there would be nobody that would say necessarily, "I do not want peace." Not a fan of peace. Not a fan of peace. Yeah, yeah. don't want that. Um, and so. To kind of help define our terms, if you look at it, when we're talking about today, we're looking at how it is used. Another word for it is shalom, the shalom piece. Uh, we talked about this uh, during the Soul Care uh, podcast as well, where shalom piece is when everything is as it should be, the way that God has intended, um, mm-hmm. where it is right, it is restored, it is united in Him. Um, and so that's the concept of peace we'll be exploring today when everything is as it should be. Great. Um, we want, we, like we said, everybody wants peace. Everybody wants to pursue that or, or, or at least maybe not. That's probably what we need to talk about. Maybe we don't want to pursue it. We just want it to happen. We just want mm-hmm. it to be the state within which we are living. Um, but... How, how do we get there? What, is, what does peace look like? Because I'd love to get there now. I'd love it to be <laughs> right. right here. Right. I think it's important to, to kind of see. I've been reading a great book. Y'all could pick it up and check it out. It's called The Cultivated Life, um, and it is by Suzanne Phillips. Susan Phillips. Um, one of the analogies she uses there is the difference between Um, living in a garden versus living in a circus and that really hit home Um, I think in our society we're we're pushed more towards the circus environment of performance of the show um, and that kind of thing to be entertained so you're you're either being consumer and being entertained or you are being a performer Um, and there's really an absence of peace in both of those roles Um, Mm -hmm. But then she talks about in Scripture, throughout Scripture, both old and new, which is interesting. It carries over. Um, it was the analogy of our growth in a garden. And it's supposed to be this process. And so we work along with God in the cultivation of this garden um, and applying his truth, applying the gospel, um, helping work the situations around us, the the environments he has put us in to help cultivate uh, the life he has called us to. So I think the process of moving towards peace is actually a process of cultivation. If you look on the app, a lot of the imagery for this, there's a lot of rice farmers um, that I use. And one of those analogies is because you got to get dirty. 
Um, rice farming is different, and it happens in water. So yeah, they're in there. Water. Yeah. yeah. So they're in there. They're in the mud. Their backs are bent over working hard. And so for me, that was just a very symbolic picture of what it looks like to pursue peace. That it's actually work. Okay, but but that if it, if folks are listening to this like me, kind of going, but what doesn't that sound like? oxymoronic that you have to work or another place in in your writing you wrote uh you have to fight for peace you have to work Mm -hmm. and fight for peace those seem like opposites of peace work and fight Mm -hmm. they do they do seem like opposites but one of the things that's interesting as well as you look at it uh, and specifically in the beatitudes where it said blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of god so in pursuing peace um according to that verse, it would be a direct show of us being in the image of our Heavenly Father. So if you were a peacemaker, then that is an identifying trait of you being the child of God. So let's look at what Jesus did. Because we, we are children. We are image bearers, We are period. image bearers, right. We need to, you're saying we need to, this is an, a place where we can show that forth. Yeah, it's not like forth. you're an image bearer and then you just check out kind of thing it is an active role like you have a role in this family of God mm-hmm. um, that he is calling you and equipping you to fulfill in the situations that you're put in and so in being these image bearers so an example of when Jesus fought for peace and this may seem a little abstract but um, if you never thought of it this way but if you look at Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple not a peaceful act doesn't seem like a peaceful act I would say actually an incredibly peaceful act because, because he is fighting to restore the spiritual peace that those people have disrupted. Mm. So they have alienated people that cannot afford the sacrifices that um, the law was saying they had to fulfill. Um, they were the money changers, the people in there were pushing people farther away from God. Mm-hmm. So Jesus comes in and he drives them out. He is fighting to restore the spiritual peace that God has called us to. And I think one of the things, too, if you even go back to the book of Genesis and look, when we were made in the image of God, what we're called to do in the garden, um, one of the misconceptions people have is that Adam and Eve were always supposed to stay in the garden. But if you look at the passage, it actually says for them to um, fill the earth and subdue it. So they were always supposed to leave the garden. It was just the condition by which they left. So they left under a curse, which we currently live under, so the work is harder instead of a blessing. And so it is hard work to bring this peace, to cultivate this. And so two things to kind of hang to these main points here is I believe in pursuing peace, the call is to bring life from death and to bring order from chaos. And so as you look around, what does it look like to cultivate peace in your life and the lives of others is how can you help bring life from death and bring order from chaos? A lot of times in the kind of their nirvana approach of letting stuff go or whatever, blah, 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 it's not, just, it's not practical. Like I don't feel like, like I don't know what I'm called to do in that. But mm-hmm. if we look at life from death, so in this situation with my coworker, with my spouse, with my children, obviously like there's, I can, I can feel the death around. There's tension in the relationship. There's mm-hmm. bitterness. So what does it look like to bring life there? What does it look like to apply the gospel there? And some very tangible things start to come to the surface. Yeah, that's super, that's very helpful because 
be a peacemaker, you know, pursue peace. That seems very esoteric and wonderful, mm -hmm. a wonderful idea, but what is not helpful. Like? This makes it, this <laughs> yeah. gives me yeah, a lens through which mm -hmm. to see and go, okay, how can I bring peace to this specific place? And I think the other one, so um, bringing order from chaos. So what does that look like and kind of going back and fighting for peace? Um, there's a, a thing I've read uh, a while back. It's, it's from the stories of the Hasidim, which is a, a Jewish writing from uh, around the 1940s. And it says, a traveler loses his way in the forest. Uh, it is dark and he is afraid. Danger lurks behind every tree. A storm shatters the silence. The fool looks at the lightning, but the wise man at the road that lies illuminated before him. Hmm. And I think in our, I mean, it's, it's political season. There's all these political ads. There's the chaos that happens on social media. So it's very chaotic. I mean, we're in the middle of this lightning storm of tension. And I think what happens with the body of Christ, with our society, is we just watch lightning. Nobody knows how to fix anything, but we're just watching all the sparks go in the sky. And if we continue to watch lightning, we will be fools. Mm. Instead, what God is calling us to do and to, to bring life from death, to help restore order in the midst of chaos, the lightning will happen. We can't change what happens, but we can look around to see what paths God illuminates when the lightning does strike. So what is the, the truth that needs to be applied here? Where does grace need to be given? How does gospel function in this, in this area? And don't get distracted by the lightning and the thunder. Instead, God will reveal through these situations, through his truth, through the word, God will reveal the paths with which we need to shepherd the communities that we're in, our families, ourselves, to places of peace, as things should be, to places where the gospel flourishes in our life instead of being caught up in the midst of a lightning storm. Yeah, because there's a whole lot of looking at the lightning, commenting on the lightning, mm -hmm. uh, cheering, whatever, championing mm -hmm. the lightning. People, yeah. basically you have people right now um, cheering whenever, you know, this person's thunder is louder than the other. Uh-huh. And, and it leads us nowhere. We still no, stand at Your ears ring, you're kind of, you may be awestruck, but man, yeah. that person was loud. But at the same time, there's an echoing chasm of a hole and you are still lost at the end of the day. Yeah. So we, we are called to seek peace and pursue it. We are called to bring life from death, order from chaos. We are, when we, are, we fight for that as the image bearers of God's children. And there will be tension with that. There's tension in society, but there's also tension in, in the church um, as we're not perfect people. But how do we work through that? And so being, peace, being a peacemaker is not a comfortable job. A lot of times, just like being a rice farmer is not a comfortable job. You got to get in there. It's muddy. You have to take rocks out. You got to do this stuff. And it's, it's the same in our own lives with that um, and in the communities of the ways around us. And I think most of us, most of us hate conflict. Mm -hmm. We're going to avoid conflict. Peace, uh, uh, a quick, maybe shallow view of peace is mm -hmm. the lack of conflict. Well, if there's no conflict, there's peace. So I will, I, I'll just avoid mm -hmm. this thing. And so then there's, there's peace, right? Because even though I'm feeling all this, whatever within me, mm -hmm. uh, if, if I avoid that conflict, then there's peace. But for 
those of us who are trying to do that, that does not create peace. All no. it does is it, within me, in trying to create peace, it has done exactly the opposite because in me holding that back, uh, I, I've created less peace within me. In fact, I've created all kinds of anxiety within me. Because what happens is, I mean, if you go back to the garden analogy, and we all have this garden that God has given us that we're, we're tending and we're, we're called to, um, to invest in, but not wanting to handle conflict is not pulling weeds. Even if you notice something starting to grow or you see something in there and you're like, well you know, I don't want to do that or blah, 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 or somebody else put this in here. Um, so I don't want to offend them. So I'm going to let them, or like, I'm going to continue to let this person steal stuff out of my garden. Mm-hmm. But yet you want the results as if everything is as it should be in your garden. And it's not because you're not taking care of your garden. And I think a lot of times we want these, you know, divine gardeners. We want pastors. We want other people to tend our gardens for us. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, you need to get off your bottom. You need to go out there and you need to, to pull weeds. You need to build a fence. You need to draw a boundary. You need to do the work that God is calling you to do. If you want the peace in your life, it is trusting God to provide it, but us also creating the environments in which that peace can flourish. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so I want, I've got this conflict. I want to pursue peace. I want to speak the truth to something. Um, it feels like I can fall off the horse on the other side by going, well, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell them the truth mm-hmm. and let, you know, kind of let the chips fall where they may. And so I just spout out the truth and mm-hmm. in maybe, I, I don't know, I think it's a, probably well-intentioned probably but also it feels like it's lazy and it's it's more of a quick circus kind of a way to pursue it's like i'm just going to tell them the truth and mm-hmm. i did it and so i pursued my piece when really i what i've done is just kicked a horn it's like it's like the old school i mean i grew up in the country so it's just like well, I said my piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I said my piece, this is what happened. Yeah, you know, the piece like, was yeah, created. You, you threw a peace grenade and it blew up the whole situation because yeah. you said your piece. So, but is that what happened in the, the temple with Jesus clearing the temple? That no. feels a little bit like that. <laughs> he just said his piece, clear yeah. the temple. Yeah. Um, I know that piece is different, P I E C E, but anyway. Um, but in that, no, I don't think you don't. It is a mature hand. This is this is one thing. If we're not careful in our Christian life, we'll remain in a state of perpetual adolescence. Mm-hmm. And so we allow other people to guide our growth, uh, to invest in us. We don't do things. You know, it's like I have a ten-month-old, and but he's not going to stay ten months old his whole time. He's going to have to learn how to feed himself. He's going to have to learn how to hold his own spoon. Eventually, he's going to learn how to to fix his own food and those kind of things as well. But one of the things we have allowed, specifically in Western Christianity, a lot too, is um, this coddling, so to speak, of staying in this state of perpetual adolescence. The fallout of that is that you don't have a mature handling of the gospel at times. Mm -hmm. And so you treat the gospel like a baseball bat or, like I used to say, people God bomb people. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to see an impact, so you toss a hand grenade over there. Because you want to make an impact, mm-hmm. but you don't stay for the follow-up. 
you know, there's not a coming alongside, there's not a cultivation. And in our Western mindset, we focus a lot on conquering. You, ne- you have never seen a conquered people go to their oppressors and be like, thank you so much for conquering us. Mm-hmm. We so greatly appreciate mm-hmm. that. But yet when you see cultivation happen of relationships, you see life change happen mm. um, in the process of that. And I think that's the difference. And it's a, so does the apl- is the application of truth proportionate to the situation that's happening? So with Jesus in the temple, the situation was out of hand. Something drastic needed to happen. People needed to know that it was not okay. Plus, Christ also had the context with which to deliver that message. He mm-hmm. was he had healed people. He spoke the truth. He taught there. Like mm-hmm. so he could handle that maturely. Mm-hmm. You didn't a disciple didn't do that. You know, like like one of the younger guys didn't run in there and like try to do it on his own. Pe- Peter would have. Peter would have liked yeah, to have was, done that. Like yeah, probably why Jesus he's like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But I think we have to grow into some of those situations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think God prepares us and people do it um, when they're called to. He'll provide for that. Mm-hmm. But yet at the same time, we have to make sure our motives are pure because a lot of times with the conquering mentality of getting peace it's more about our own egos man that i mean that's the thing that is running through all this for me is there's so much of that the i spoke my peace it's about me it's mm-hmm. not about bringing peace no. it's about i'm going to say my my two cents worth so mm-hmm. i feel a little bit more peaceful within myself but i haven't mm-hmm. pursued i'm not really my primary goal is not to pursue right. peace and healing and wholeness in that situation it is to get my proclamation out there. Right. And that's selfish. Right. The uh, actual pursuit of peace, the cultivation of shalom, the focus on that is God. Everything as God created it to be, not how you want it to mm-hmm. be. And we have to come to grips with that as a mature handling of our faith and of Scripture is our desires are not always pure. And some of the things I may be desiring are the things that are actually causing tension Mm -hmm. and I need to let go. Some of the biggest frustrations with my kids and with my spouse is because they're not bowing down to the same idols I am. Mm -hmm. And so there's this frustration. So, you know, I want peace in that so I can live, you know, with my sin-filled life. Yeah, key word there being I want peace. So Instead of what does God want in this situation um, and the pursuit of that. And so I think it's how... This is continual moving towards, in the gospel of Christ, how do we bring life from death and order from chaos one step at a time? What it takes to create peace today will be different than tomorrow because the situations will change. Mm. Um, And looking around to see, like, in the chaos that is going on, how can we be agents of peace, even in the midst of the lightning storms? What is God revealing, Mm. and how can we take it one step at a time Mm. and trust Him to guide us through it? And that's what I love about this subject is I can, uh, at any of those points, and in any it's if it's something that's going on in my family, with my wife, with my kids, if it's something that's going on in a work relationship, or or keep getting bigger and bigger in the natural, I can I can pause and ask that question: What is bringing life out of death in this what could i do to bring life out of death what can i do to bring order out of chaos and that 
then it's a very practical mm -hmm. directive, a, a guide or a, a filter, if nothing else for me to say, what's the next, what's the best step mm -hmm. forward from here? So I love that this is, peace can be such this big, broad, nebulous cloud of an idea, but it's really one of the most practical, pursuable uh, disciplines, concepts. Um, and it is one of the biggest ways, I mean, looking at the Beatitudes, it's one of the biggest ways people will see the gospel of Christ lived out around us. Mm. It is an identifying marker mm. of it. And so the question is, when he looks at where we're at right now, mm. would anybody be like, oh, I recognize that family? Mm -hmm. I recognize them as a follower of Jesus. Right. It is so, and it does stand out so starkly. So Lord, would you help us to stand out mm -hmm. that way as real peacemakers? Help us look like our daddy. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope this has been thoughtful and challenging a little bit and, and practical a lot of it. Uh, so as always, we're grateful that you're listening here. Ben Bannister, thank you again for your music. And may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Uh -huh. Thank you.